Well, welcome uh, once again to A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we're going to be venturing into the book of uh, Exodus in chapter 3 today. Chapter 2 was the birth of Moses, the birth of a leader. And so, again, it was a, chapter 2 covered you know, about a quarter of his life, if you will, from the age of birth to the age of 40 as he was growing up in the Egyptian kingdom. Chapter 3 we're going to be looking at is quite interesting because it's the, uh, it's the story of how Moses was called. A lot of us have heard this story, the burning bush, right? The encounter that God had with Moses, the, 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 the encounter that Moses had with the living God through a burning bush. And how does that happen? Well, I don't know. God does whatever he wants whenever he wants. He has the ability to speak to us and however he sees fit. He got Moses' attention through a burning bush. Now, God may not do that nowadays with every one of us. But God gets our attention in however he sees fit. And Moses' calling was done through that of a burning bush. Our burning bush stories are a little different nowadays, aren't they? Can you remember and look back on what your burning bush experience was, whatever it could have been? <laughs> could have been maybe a transition in life somehow. Could have been maybe a tragedy in life. It could have been something simple as just hearing that, that quiet voice in your heart. You know, we, we look at how, how God, he didn't speak to Moses until Moses decides to investigate. You know, God made the first move, but it was Moses to engage him further. God had something to say, but only, only if Moses wanted to hear, which he obviously did. And there's times where God's voice speaks through larger events as well. But when, when, when we look, when we look for him, when he's got our attention, well, then I think that uh, we're ready for whatever, is, whatever it is that we're called to do. And how was your story? What was your story? You know, some could be as simple as, uh, well, they had an extravagant career in, as an engineer. And they received that pink slip of layoff because, you know, it's funny because they had this tug in their heart that they were supposed to be in ministry in some point of their life. But, you know, they weren't ready to do that. They were going to do that maybe some years, uh, some years later and so on and so forth. But, you know, they, they were going to do that on their terms, on their time. But all of a sudden, the layoff happened. And next thing you know... They're selling everything they have, and they're now moving into an apartment somewhere, and, and they're involved in ministry. Going from one extreme to the other. That was the burning bush story for some people. Some people I've heard uh, were involved in maybe some form of an accident that, that, that maybe caused them to, uh, to have a grim future in their, in their condition. But yet God gave them another chance. He allowed them to, to, uh, to, get, to get up and walk again. Because he had a task for them, but he had to get their attention somehow. And he used that way of doing it. Because every single person's way is different. Some people just were simply called. They didn't have to have anything major. They didn't have to have anything uh, um, crazy like a burning bush. They didn't have to have something like an accident. Some people were just spoken to. It's time. It's time to do what I'm calling you to do. And there's people out there that, that they do things on their own. They don't, they don't really hear God. They just want to do it. 
And they and they discover that, you know, at times that, well, it wasn't really in God's will, and he allows that to happen sometimes. But in Moses' case here, this was, uh, this was undeniable. Absolutely undeniable. And, and so I want to take a look here at this amazing story because, well, we all relate in some way, shape, or form because we're all called. Maybe in a different way, but we're all called. But I want to look here. Let's take a look here. Verses 1 through 6 in chapter 3. says, Now now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. But the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called him uh, from the midst in the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, "Do, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, if you know how, uh, if you know God, I've asked before, how did He get your attention? Because He uses those many different forms, and this one was particularly for Moses. He was attracted. He was astounded by this burning bush, this burning bush that wasn't withering as it should, a, a fire of sorts that did not harm or burn the leaves. Who wouldn't be observant of such a thing? So, you know, God knows how to draw someone's attention. He knows who we are and how we work. And yes, God used a burning bush to get his attention, but it wasn't until the spoken word of God that Moses was truly intrigued with reverence and fear. But but notice when God came to Moses after time, God didn't approach him from the chambers of his luxurious upbringing. He came to him while in the desert, caring for sheep. And this had to be the most humbling experience in time for Moses, but but it was the, the perfect time for the calling. Because humility... And tending the sheep were the attributes and duties of Israel's greatest leaders in the Bible, some of them. I've noticed also that the, you know, the desert was also another place where the true tests and training happened for, for most. You know, I myself am also one who's been uh, trained for ministry in the desert. I've been in Arizona for about 18 years. You know, being a Christian for 34 years or so, but in the, uh, in the majority of my years in ministry, it was out here where it began. And the life of Moses was seen in three different categories. One half, in, one half of his life in Egyptian royalty, and now he's been living a quiet life in the desert herding sheep. And now we have the call for what he was set out to do for the rest of his life. See, the, the true change in life is when we meet God, just like Moses did. God meets us where we're at, and Moses, even though he was standing on a mountain with dirt, he was told to remove his sandals as you were standing on holy ground. See, any place where God is, and wherever it may be, the place is holy ground because we become accustomed to removing shoes when uh, when we're entering someone's home. And we must remember that as God dwells in heaven, he still created the land and the soil that we stand on. So his presence is holy wherever it might be. Moses, you know, hiding his face from God, he probably remembered what he did and who he was, you know, the murderer on why he was, where he was at, you know. But again, this first part of reverence that we see Moses doing, we forget, you know, we forget at times that the presence of God is so holy 
And we can learn a lesson from this because God is the best friend we will ever have. But we have to remember that we worship a sovereign God. He allows us to come to him at any given time, right? But how do we approach the Lord? If, if we approach a king or a queen or maybe a president, uh, someone of power, we do it with reverence. But yet none of them compare to God. We cannot refer to the leadership uh, with love and passion that we do with God, but yet we show such reverence to the human powers. Now, revisiting this, this scripture, it reminds me of approaching the Lord and in the ways of doing so. I want to have the comfort of that, of walking into the front door when I come home, but I never want to lose the reverence on coming to God who deserves the honor beyond that of any king on earth. And what an honor that God would meet someone where they're at, to, to even speak to them, right? But, but there was a reason for his visit here. Let's take a look here, verse 7 to 10. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians." And to bring them from uh, up from the land to do a good to do good and uh, to a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression in which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now. Therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, when Moses met God for the first time, he met him with a, with a concern for his people. And he made known that he heard their cries. You know, as for myself, I realized that Moses being raised in the Egyptian culture, he, he knew the entire, uh, probably the entire created gods that they worshipped. And every god I've ever heard of that was created or worshipped by whether it be Greek or Roman or Egyptian, Babylonian gods, they ever, these particular little gods had no care or concern for mankind or human life. And over the years of teaching the Bible, I have become familiar with these little gods that other nations worshipped. And it was, that was the case, that there was no love or concern for the people. But yet what's interesting is the people had to protect their gods because they, they could break or burn being made out of wood or stone. <laughs> you know, never, never worship a god that you have to protect, right? But Moses meets the one real God, the, the creator of all things and mankind in the apex of his creation, which was mankind. God made a promise over 400 years before this event to Abraham that his descendants will be brought to and given a promised land. And it was not just decided, because it was told beforehand it was just the perfect time to make the move with the amount of people to inhabit the land that was in Egypt. God's presence showed love and compassion and that of a father that sees and hears. A father that can fix any situation. Why? Because he is holy. And holy means separated. And though he was separated from the imperfect, he was never distant. He allowed mankind to be a part of his works here on earth. As God says, I will use you to go to Pharaoh. And I love what Paul the Apostle said. And it was in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 6. Paul said that we are workers with him. Okay, being the Lord, we're workers with him. It, it is obvious that God did not need Moses or anyone to perform any task. But being a loving God, he, cho he chooses and he uses. He appoints and he anoints. 
And and when I ask my youngest son to do a simple task at a toddler's age, and then to watch him do it and say, okay, I'll go ahead and do it, and then accomplish it, it's pleasing as a father. He allows us to accomplish the same for him. It's for the glory of God, but he still involves us, and that is fascinating. I understand the joy of our Lord when something was done in faith and obedience, and when a child does it with gladness, it's because they realize they're doing something with or for their father. And again, looking at Moses, he was he was something special to the eyes of the public. But once he messed up and committed that murder, he was absolutely nothing to him. See, God took what was now simple, unknown, and no longer prestigious to do the greatest thing that could have ever happened to God's people. And that was leading them out of imprisonment and into not just the promised land, but also knowing their God personally and who they were calling out to. Moses will not just act as a travel guide, but he'll be somewhat of an evangelist and one who delivers the commandments and the presence of God through their travels. We never know what God has in store for us, but whatever it is, do it to the fullest, right? Do it with love, with passion and truth, because it's not for us to feel good about ourselves, but for God to feel good toward us and why we did it. So let's see the interesting stuff that comes now in verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of, of your uh, fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you out of, out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses probably knew the names of many gods in the Egyptian kingdom. But he never had seen, uh, never heard or had seen them, and it was simply because they didn't exist. So, who do you say, uh, who do I say that you are, he says, right? Because the original name that they called God was Elohim. And this was during the time of Abraham. And Elohim means the all-powerful one, the creator. Well, when the Lord spoke to him, he said, I am the one who is, the self-existent one. I am that I am. And and that is translated Yahweh in the Hebrew. See, Moses would expect a question of, well, who is this God that spoke to you? Out of the thousands that the Egyptians worshipped, I'm sure. But his calling is to make known that the God, one and only God, is here and exists and wants his people free. And, And that name is just like him, which is unchangeable and irreplaceable. You know, we live in a world where values and morals, or even certain laws uh, that change, 
that, that can change. We live in a world like that. As Egypt was the example of the world back then, we have, we have stability and reliability in God and his word. But now the question for Moses was, you know, well, why me, Lord, right? Moses had been away for 40 years, shepherding in a desert, as he was making a, an honest assessment of himself. Moses could have easily said, oh, God, you chose wisely with me. I got this. And then he walks away and slips on the invisible banana peel. <laughs> you know, as, as many people do when they exalt themselves. But you see, honest, humble assessment, why me, is the question. It took 40 years outside of the Egyptian kingdom. Uh, some humble beginnings were definitely needed. But when that is seen in someone, the Lord says, well, I think they're ready now. Moses, he was raised in their leadership. He knew the culture. He, he knew the laws. He was special because no other Hebrew in, uh, was in such a, pos a position outside of Joseph 400 years ago. So why not you, Moses, right? But the real reason he could do it was, it was a reminder from God. The real reason was is that God said, I'll be with you. We, we may not be called to lead millions into a promised land of milk and honey, but when we're called, we're called for a purpose. In the term of milk and honey, it's a poetic term for beautiful land with rich resources. In which, what the land of Israel is to this day. Uh, Israel is one of the top agricultural countries in that region of the world to this day. So Now, Moses was just one of many used in this transition. But again, when we're called to do something, it's because God gave us a task that he knew we can handle. When we rely on God to do these things, it doesn't matter what uh, what it is. We just need to realize that we were chosen. And that by His will and by His hand, it will get accomplished. Anything God calls us to do is an honor. Whatever it may be. You know, because I heard a saying once that if there's a door that's just too small for you, it's probably just your size. <laughs> now, you know, Moses here, Moses thought that the door was actually too big for him. But God knew otherwise. You know, we can do all things through him, but it's only through him, for him, and most of all because of him that anything gets done. Let's see what God tells Moses next, because everyone needs a boost of confidence. And some confidence with some instruction here in verse 18 to 22. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you, and, you, um, and you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in its midst. And after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and, and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. You know, God reminds Moses that no human power or authority will be able to change the mind of Pharaoh. It'll take a catastrophe, catastrophes and calamities, right? And unfortunately, it's unfortunate, but God is always in control. We see that he is able to foresee the things to come. 
And I'm thankful for the word of God because we too can question the Lord, you know. God, have you seen the, the size of the army? Uh, have you seen the might of the people? <laughs> we forget that God is well aware of those things. We can trust God knows our future just as he did theirs. He knew the reactions of the Israelites. He did He did uh, as he did the Egyptians, you know. He he does our he does our own our own ways our own thoughts, but we do not always know God's thoughts his ways. Who would have ever guessed that they would be uh, getting parting gifts from the Egyptians of sorts, right? Moving the hearts of the Egyptian people to give them clothing, silver, jewels, was the ability of God to work on the minds and heart of the people. You know, they became slaves by by the evil heart of the Pharaoh. They were probably once just neighbors to one another, but they were forced into slavery. God had an ancient day severance package to give to his people. It became a law years later when God gave the laws to the Israelites that when a when a slave uh when a slave's service was up, after so many years the master was not to let them leave empty handed. And depending on the generosity of the master, certain slaves were taken well care of. Some even made pledges to stay with them as a servant for the rest of their lives. And you can only imagine what God put on the hearts of the Egyptian people and the amount of gifts given. They put up with a lot, and God said enough. And his time may, may not always be the time that we would like, but it worked, right? If we could remember what God said in the last verses here, he said that I will give them favor. Favor from God is the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive, but favor comes from being a part of someone. They were calling out to God because they knew he existed. They knew he could hear. And this was not one of those, if you really exist prayers, right? Like some masks when they're in trouble. They knew he was there. And God heard their cries. See, I will remind us through the, throughout the duration of this book of Exodus that he is the same God now as he was then. God doesn't change. He does, he does what he wants when he wants. And all we can do is trust him and call upon him. But he does not change his standards, his ways, or his word. The assurance is there when we receive his son, Christ Jesus, as Lord and Savior. We may not be reading about Jesus in Exodus or, or other areas of the Old Testament, but it all, came to when, it all came to when he came to this earth and fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecy. See, when we receive Christ, we are pleasing God because we receive him as well. We are saying that I believe in you, what you did for the world, and most of all, I love you. I, I thank you for that and having me, right? Well, who wouldn't want that opportunity? Because I want, to, I want us to take a look at, at the Lord, right? I want us to take a look at the Lord and, and who he is. You know, Christ Jesus, even though we're not reading about him in the Old Testament. You know, we see the Lord through the attributes we see the the Lord's hand being uh, being uh, moved and worked here throughout time here and what he was doing. He was delivering his people out of Egypt and eventually he'd be delivering the world out of a form of slavery and bondage, giving everyone a place in heaven. And I praise God for the time. 
I praise God that we got to know that. I praise God that we got to see that and be a part of that. Because we're, we're living in, in crazy days and in this age that we're living in. Was, is nothing more than, than a modern day form of chaos that the, uh, that the Israelites were seeing as they were in Egypt. And we still need, we still need a savior. We still need uh, redemption. We still need these things. But I want us to, to remind ourselves here that, that he does exist. And, and that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. I, I want us to remember that, that again, that God had a plan. He had a plan hundreds of years before this event here in Egypt happened. He had a plan long before any of this to, to send Christ Jesus to die for our sins and for us to have a place in eternity. And we get to be a part of that plan. Isn't that something? But how would you like to be a part of it? How would you like to know that, that if something should happen to you, or when your time is up, that you're going to be in the presence of God for all eternity because you made the choice to receive His Son as your Lord and Savior? Well, how do I do such a thing? Do I have to... Uh, do I have to do some form of works or something? Or do I have to, uh, is there any rituals I have to do? Absolutely not. You have to do one simple thing, which was re- is receive him into your heart through prayer. And I could give you that opportunity right now, and what he says in the Bible, to, that you receive him through prayer. Through a relationship with him. Everything you do for him after, after the fact is just, again, is a pleasing gift to him. But getting into heaven... That's only going to be by receiving Him as Lord and Savior. If you want that opportunity, if you want to be delivered, you want to have a place in heaven, well, you could say this simple prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Father, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, that you would receive me, Father. That you would receive me when my time is up. Is Lord, as I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Father, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you for coming, Lord. I thank you for teaching, Father. I thank you for being there, Lord. And I receive you now, Lord, as my Lord and my Savior, as my Father. And Lord, I want to thank you again for having me, Lord, in your kingdom. When my time comes, may I walk closely with you at all times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, may God continue to bless your life and continue to bless your walk and, and your families and your friends. And may you be a mighty, may you be a mighty work for Him. You know, God, uh, God wants to use you in so many ways. You know, I don't know how he's going to use you. Only he does. Moses didn't know how he was going to be used. Only God did. But no matter what it is you're going to do, no matter what it is you were called to do, just know that you are special to him. He loves you and he wants you. So I pray that you would just take hold of him and do as much as you can during your time for him and with him. May God bless and keep you.